0: Welcome to Decades From Home, a podcast about the weird and wonderful side of living in Germany. And all without saying, nur die Harten, kommen in den Garten. I'm Nick at 40percentGerman.com and I'm joined by my co-host Simon Maddox. How are you, Simon?
1: I'm good. I love the way you did Garten with a little northern twang. That was lovely. <laughs> it's, it's all I've got. What can I say? <laughs> yeah, that, was, that was really nice. I wish I had more control
0: over my accent, but even when I'm trying to say things clearly, I still have... Residual <laughs> Residual Geordie.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think that's gonna be a lifelong struggle. I dunno struggle's the right word. But what does that then mean? Uh, no hard harden coming in the garden.
0: <laughs> I'd love to tell you, but actually I have no idea. You even told me what it what it meant and I wasn't really paying attention. I did, yeah. How terrible is that's that why that? I,
1: was, I thought I could get away with asking you nah, this question. Not at all, not at all. Only the strong survive.
0: Only the hard come in the garden is basically what it means. <laughs> you can see why I would have problems with it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. what is in that garden? That's ultimately the question.
1: Where is the garden is is valuable information as well.
0: Yeah, is it a Satan's <laughs> garden? Because ev- like everything, it all revolves around Satan, and especially in the south of Germany. <laughs> so you don't want to be in Satan's garden. Yeah, um obviously, th- this week's been slightly dominated, certainly in the news, and a lot of the news coming out of Germany and a lot of the news in Germany has been about the the flooding in the north of the country and in, in Belgium as well. A big topic of conversation it's been a general topic anyway mm. the rainfall we've had almost storms every two days yeah. pretty much very heavy storms really And that, but that's in the south of the country it's interesting though that a lot of people have been messaging me to say i hope everything's okay which is the sentiments really lovely but uh we're like five hours away from north rhine westphalia it's a strange sort of situation where you you're reassuring people but it's still like a massive tragedy going on as we speak
1: the uh yeah the loss of life is really really awful Mm. a lot of people still missing hopefully the vast majority of them Mm. will will be found soon with mobile phone power being available etc etc but uh, i mean yeah the some of the images are really really shocking The, the severity of the damage and Mm-hmm. A, a, a significant number of these houses are really old fakfak houses, they've been there for a couple of hundred years and it's, it's really tragic. i
0: put a tweet out because I, I don't know a lot about the
1: north of the country, aside from what
0: I've seen and people I've spoken to, and they sent me a really interesting PDF, I'll, I'll retweet it out, but it was about the protections for historical Mm -hmm. buildings from flood damage these areas are quite susceptible to flood flood damage so there's there's general plans in place but i think by now everyone's seen that picture Mm. of all the debris down the street, and it's like the streets just chock-a-block with debris and it's something you forget when you're watching all the videos of water flowing down streets that under the surface is what's that can damage shops and buildings and hopefully something can be done basically you'd think there would be more flood defences and stuff like that I mean flood plains are quite common around this area of of Bavaria
1: I mean in in the aftermath the thing that's sort of hardest to watch when you see any of these sort of clean up operations like it's really obviously just people from that neighbourhood that are there there's a huge cry from these communities for government support for military support for real emergency services Obviously, ambulances and and fire brigades have scrambled from all over the country to be there in in greater numbers, but there are more people needed, more support needed. So hopefully by the time this comes out, the the worst of the initial damage will have been taken care of. But it's going to take years for a lot of these communities to, to get back where they were last week.
0: It's interesting as well the repercussions seem to be happening almost immediately in in politics. Obviously Angela Merkel's out the country, which is basically doing a victory lap, the mm-hmm. election campaign for September is it October September is is heating up. I guess she doesn't want to be in the country while that's happening, which is makes sense if you've Got a new leader to be elected. Yeah. That the old leader isn't hanging around in the wings, but this the home state of the leading candidate to replace Merkel, um, Armin Laschet, who's currently being battered by the media. He seems to be making a lot of faux pas, and and it's put climate back on the agenda as well, which is obviously with the Green Party doing so well, certainly in the in the initial start of the campaign in May. It, it it's Created a whole new discussion. He's not
1: helped himself. I mean, his whole political organisation talking about things being plutsly, about them being sudden. Yeah, yeah, that was quite surprising. Obviously, he's not a young man, Lashett, but he's also not so old that he his entire life hasn't been touched by the teachings of global warming and the effects. Yeah. I mean, Germany as a nation is very, very good about acknowledging the reality of this and has put in a lot of safeguards and taken more steps than most countries have. And it hasn't yielded perfect results as we can see, which mm. is tragic. But I mean, yeah, other em- environments which aren't as strict on building regulations and things like that, th- this would have been significantly worse. But yeah, to talk about any of this being sudden is just sickening bullshit. I
0: read something that said he's often compared to to a regional mayor or something, and that this might be an example of him being out of his depth, but I think ultimately there will be a coalition of some kind. I just think he's been criticized for for quite loosey-goosey climate policies in his his manifesto for the election, in comparison to say the Green Party that has quite strict and quite serious and quite thought out plans that haven't really been very popular with a lot of people because it's things like reduce the speed limits on the roads that uh, actually mean sacrifices for normal people if anything, if it just inspires a clearer, more sensible climate policy, that's a benefit too I think ultimately is, like, that's really what's needed is for the parties to take this seriously instead of just saying, oh yeah, we care about the climate but we're not going to do anything about it. But we'll be dead by the time
1: it's really a huge problem, so. Yeah, exactly. Fuck you guys. Exactly. Get rich. I'm out.
0: We'll see what happens, I guess. There's still a lot of this campaign to run but it it does seem like things are getting more and more intense, more and more divisive perhaps. Mm. But we will see. We will see. It's about that time of the week for Simon's roundup of important German birthdays. I'm pretty sure we could come up with a better name than that. I have been brainstorming <laughs> on my own, so Simon's going to tell me if these names work for him. So I've got Simon's birthday bundle.
1: <laughs> okay, yeah. Yeah,
0: right. it does sound a little bit Saturday morning TV, doesn't it? It does
1: sound like Pat Sharp would want to be involved. Simon's German Kabutztag. <laughs> is, that, is that the plural of Geburtstag yeah but then we need to like go whole German and be Simon's Deutsche Geburtstag oh and...
0: uh, I don't know if I like Simon I don't even know if I want to say that that
1: much <laughs> you know actually
0: it would be easier if you just changed your name to Barry or maybe Gary because then it would be alliteration it would be Barry's birthday bundle or Gary's German Geburtstag any chance of that happening maybe no 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 I'm not going to be a
1: Barry or a Gary, that's for sure.
0: Fair enough. So, Barry, why is launch day,
1: July 24th, by the way, important for Germany? (laughs) Cheeky little number. So, (laughs) this week is a little different as we're not talking about anything that happens on launch day itself. Uh, So, not July 24th. Instead, I'm going to talk about an upcoming birthday of great German significance. For me, at least. Maybe it's just me actually thinking about it, or it's a very, very small number of us. Any guesses? I mean, it's not Merkel. Is it
0: something to do? This is where it's like a test of how well I know you. Uh, Significant Germans. It can only be, right? It can only be a footballer. (laughs) It can only be a footballer. It is a footballer. And if we're talking about famous Germans, there's only one German footballer
1: that I can think of that you would really, really care about. And anyone that's a regular listener of the show will probably be able to guess which German footballer I love the most. It is, of course, the Klinsey. Jürgen Klinsmann. I feel like I should have a football
0: chant prepared for this, but I'll be honest, I don't have any football chants for Jürgen Klinsmann. But I'm sure you're going to tell me all about it. Well, I mean,
1: of course, Klinsmann is hugely famous in Germany and very famous in Germany the rest of the world as well because he he played for several prominent clubs in Europe including Stuttgart, Inter Milan, Monaco, my beloved Tottenham Hotspur hence my deep love for him and of course Bayern Munich. He was part of the West German team that won the 1990 World Cup and the unified German team that won the 1996 uh, UEFA European Championship. moved on to management afterwards he managed the German team to third place in the 06 World Cup and then was also coach of Bayern in the Bundesliga and he was also the US national team coach as well so Jürgen's he's done his his part of travel he's uh, spent a lot of time in in Italy the UK the US and so yeah he's he's well known around the world well traveled yeah I remember in
0: 2006 when he he was appointed there was a lot of excitement that the fact that Jürgen Klinsmann was coaching the Germany team not just in Germany but outside of Germany too there's something really satisfying about it (laughs) You know what I mean? And just very satisfying about former successful players or
1: former players taking over as national team coach. Well, of course, all of these examples do a really helpful thing, which is breaking the stereotype that footballers are just kind of like simple-minded athletes that there was huge intelligence required to be really successful and to move into management especially not everyone can do it but of course coming back to Klinsman he moved to my beloved Tottenham Hotspur uh, in the Premier League for the 94-95 season which is also where I started becoming a football fan and the fans of the media were really critical of Klinsman because of his reputation as being a diver on his debut against Sheffield Wednesday he only <laughs> bloody scored the winning header and immediately won over the fans by celebrating the goal by diving on the ground giving birth to the Klinsman and I'm sure today I don't know who it is today if it's not him but this is what we would shout at school like when you dived after scoring a goal we'd be like Klinsman! Uh, so he entered the English lexicon with great joy, at the way he celebrated. A Guardian journalist who actually wrote an article called Why I Hate Jurgen Klinsman wrote, harsh. This is pretty brutal. <laughs> the Guardian really been a little bit centre right at that point in their readership, by the sounds of it. Two months later, he admitted he was wrong and he wrote an article called Why I Love. Yeah, Klinsmann so yeah Klinsmann had this ability he takes these preconceptions smashes them and then suddenly one of your favorite footballers is a German before you even know it (laughs) and he went on to win the 1995 Football Writers Association Football of the Year and at this time there weren't that many German players who braved England and why would you if we're honest about it if you wanted to leave the Bundesliga you could go and enjoy the glorious summers of Italy or Spain instead. A rainy night in Stoke? No, thanks. I, I can understand the the reticence to do that. But also, I think it's the
0: fact that England had only just come out of being banned from Europe at that point, and I think it was mm. the start of the Premier League, and the Premier League was light years behind Syria. We'd spent a lot of my youth, at least, was spent watching uh, football Italia on on channel 4 and the best teams came out of Italy really at that point Italy or Spain
1: uh, and why will be yeah. banned from europe again i believe it was
0: something to do with football hooliganism it
1: was oh it was <laughs> yeah. it was football hooliganism okay yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's that's good to know <laughs> It's thematically connected <laughs> jesus christ yeah tell me about it clintman i'd say he scorched the new path for german players on and off the pitch He was really famous when he arrived because he drove a beautiful lime green VW Beetle, a a Kiefer. This was a guy who could afford a top of the line BMW or Mercedes, but no, he he drove his Beetle and it was really green. It was kind of (laughs) abrasive, but it was just, he didn't care. Unfortunately, he did end up leaving Spurs in 1995 for Bayern, but then, like all good legends, he came home. Uh, And in 97, 98, he returned to White Hart Lane and not only did he return he actually did really well for us saving us from relegation pretty much particularly the four goals he scored in a 6-2 demolition of Wimbledon and he played his last match at at high level club career in 1998 on the final day of the Premier League season against Southampton I love him uh, as listeners can probably tell from uh, my tone here and I always will and in fact, one of my most prized possessions is a a sourced from Japan, original, authentic, Klinsmann Tottenham Umbro shirt uh, from <laughs> the '96 season. It is a monster of a shirt. Thanks to my wife Yana for sorting that out. It's a beauty. <laughs> In our most recent episode, we wrapped up some of our lingering thoughts about the state of England and its football team in the wake of the end of the European Championships. They say time heals all wounds, and for the most part, that feels pretty true for this cruel twist of fate. Surely though, when we look in our heart of hearts, we know there's still some lingering issues. How are you feeling now, Nick? Time has passed. Pre-seasons are starting across the land. Are you over it? Uh, No. No, but I'm like
0: over it in the sense that I'm not talking about it all the time. But any time I see footage of, like I saw something today and it was it was from Reddit and I forget which subreddit it was, but it was a picture of the European Championship trophy in Rome and it had like Welcome Home as the title. I'd scrolled past it furiously. I don't want to see it. I don't need to see
1: it. I saw an Italian fan had a tattoo of Cellini pulling the collar of Saka. Uh, and Saka was like trying to get to the cup. It's a really good tattoo, but it's like, okay, you get. <laughs> you know, like that image is going to be.
0: It's just going to recur for the rest of our lives. Like, it's just the way it is. But yeah, I guess I'm. I mean, I, I feel I feel sanguine about it. I'm pretty chilled about it although someone someone I work with sent me an email saying we are the champions and it, it's not even someone from Italy and it was about like that we'd had a bet I hadn't I just sort of made a joke and I said oh we'll have a bet on who who wins and it was sort of crowing about the fact Italy won and I just it didn't just delete it <laughs> delete that email just say, like, not even going to respond to that uh, so so obviously obviously on the surface I'm over it but I'm not over it.
1: <laughs> Push that button at all when it's, yeah, very yeah, it's still
0: very sensitive. Yeah.
1: How about how about you? Yeah, I think it's a similar thing. I, I had a, a meeting the other day and I was introduced to this person's brother. And he's like, "Oh, so you're English?" Um, so like, "Where are you from?" I told him. He's like, "So how do you feel about the final?" And I said some stuff about like how I was accepting a bit, and that we shouldn't have got that far, and it's really proud. And then he was just like, "Yeah, but the Italians like they they made you look really bad." I was just like, suddenly feel my blood boiling. In that way, I'd be like, "How how did how
0: did the makers look bad? Like, explain yourself." I would. Yeah. I could feel my blood boiling already. <laughs> explain like, yourself. I don't need. I don't need your your anemic football opinions either. You've you've got a really good point, or you can stop talking about this topic now. <laughs> So, we can imagine this topic is not going to be
1: discussed particularly with anyone I know for the next six months, I think. So, but then thankfully, he asked me if I watched uh MMA and I talked, talked about that, and then I could sh- shut off my knowledge there and not talk about football. I would have said, Yeah, let let me show you. I've been practicing my chokeholds,
0: <laughs> 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 some of this uh, <laughs> you've brought up a
1: lot of emotions. <laughs> <laughs> We've witnessed terrible accounts of racist abuse of the players in the England team. Actions that are so utterly predictable when we're honest with ourselves. It is easy, especially after more than a (coughs) decade (coughs) from home, to pick up the old St George-tinted specs and assume, nay, hope, that things have improved back home. The people have grown. They've moved on. Elevated themselves to better fill their potential. To steal from Boris Fuckwit Johnson that we may have, over a decade, come close to levelling up. The UK is super tolerant, I would proudly proclaim. We're so multicultural. Germany will get there. It just takes time. I've had to face the fact that I'm so utterly romantic when it comes to home, as I think a lot of immigrants and expats are. Home is where the heart is, after all. But now it's a little embarrassing to admit to my nationality. Being English, especially, is, for the first time in my experience, Something I'd rather avoid discussing. Now, I don't know if this is the same for you, Nick. Do you feel embarrassed to admit your origins sometimes? Not really. Not really. I don't... You're so lucky being a bloody northern. I, d- I don't <laughs> think it's a northern
0: thing. I, d- I do feel like we're in a strange position, as, as any, any migrant in any other country is, that you're kind of the interpreter for, for the things that your country does and everyone's heard the stories i'm sure many of us know an american or two who pretended they were canadian during the presidency of george bush or possibly even during the (laughs) presidency of trump i I think although the the trump the the trump thing was different it felt like a lot of americans were like yeah i am american and fuck trump it instead of like during george bush's tenure when a lot of people just pretended they were from a different country entirely and that's not really happened it's not like i can pretend i'm from somewhere else really i could do i'm scottish but like like anyone would know. A lot of people ask if I'm American when I speak, so I could just go, "Yeah, I'm American." They wouldn't know, but yeah, I don't think it. I feel particularly embarrassed to admit that I'm English or British.
1: But I think there is for me. There's a huge difference in those two things. Me saying oh, I'm British, no problem. I but I do have a bit more reticence because yeah, I mean, England has, has made some pretty. I mean, we made some pretty wild choices historically, <laughs> but just living in the immediate the immediate past. Yeah. It's kind of embarrassing. Brexit is embarrassing to me. Johnson is embarrassing to me. How does that embarrassment manifest, though? Like, in what sense? Like, I'm trying to think of...
0: Like, if somebody asks "Is are you English? And I'm like, yeah. Or are you British? Yeah. Because
1: they've created a culture where the stereotype of an English person is now... There are two types. You have just, like, gammon Brexiteers, like, red face screaming. Or you've got, like, mm. hooligan, drunk-in-the-street yobs and there was a, a large part of my life where i was fine having that connection to being like drunken hooligan culture like it's not something i did so i didn't ever feel touched by it but we, we spoke before we've seen a lot of people saying really critical things about the, the country as a whole because of the actions mm. of i mean not a, a significant number there's a lot of people like that in england but yeah, I think for the first time I was like, it's just, it's just embarrassing. It's just a shit show that's going on over there, and there's nothing I can really point to at the moment. And be like, yeah, but look at that. I, I can, I can talk about Harry until the cows come home, and I'm fine in that territory. But when it comes to anything else, nah, not so much. Remember what I
0: said last week though. There's, there's things to be optimistic about, and I had a very long conversation with my brother where he made us think a bit more about the reality. You know, it is. He works for a community charity, and the work they're doing is is way more in connection with the ethos of the England team than it is with mm-hmm. the the ethos of the government or the people who were smashing up places. I think it's for me, I think it's it's well it's just the reality, isn't it? And you see it online a lot of people just can't take any negative certainly from Europeans or people like ourselves, we're we're the elite, you know, we're the sort of European elite uh lefty elitists or whatever they like to call us so they're not going to really listen to us but uh, we do drink too much and we do act in a anti-social way certainly in, in a lot of environments but we also don't you know there's places i've seen english tourists where they're not the lager lout stereotype that you have and most people don't speak to me as if i'm a stereotype i think most people i don't really talk about me being english either i don't really if i introduce myself i just say who i am and people might ask but most people still have quite a positive perspective of of britain and england as a whole thanks to soft power element of british society where a lot of the culture's cool and interesting and people like it and also also Rosamund Pilker has been writing books about uh, Cornwall for, yeah. for for an entire life which means that everyone's got this, in Germany's got Very
1: a romantic view of
0: Well they've got the reality that they see in front of them and then they're like yeah but there's Cornwall you know, <laughs> Cornwall's quite nice so that sort of plays a, plays a part
1: in but it. I think this is sort of the root of my problem is that whoever's running the PR for the country has sort of lost obviously Brexit took away that, that need uh, to sort of really show a good solid balanced country to the rest of the world we can just be fucking wild men like cowboys being like pew 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 look at us we're liberated we're free and that's not what i grew up in it's not a culture i grew up in at all where it's like ha, we've won you've lost like there was that in sport but nothing else everything else was kind of collaborative and for the first time in my life obviously england is putting itself first britain is putting itself first whether they like it or not in all the or the nations contain within. I'm sure it's a lot more embarrassing for the Scottish and the Welsh and the Northern Irish than it is for me as an Englishman at the moment. Well I think any
0: time you ask a, a Welshman or a Scotsman and the, the, if they're on holiday if they're, they're English they'll just they'll bristle <laughs> ultimately. Yeah. Most people don't really pay attention to what happens in other countries and I think the truth of the matter is, take this this week as a good example, people in Britain may have heard about Merkel visiting the US and they'll definitely have heard about the flooding in in the north of Germany, but really, I mean, what else do the do mm. they know about? It's the same here. Most people have a very unnuanced or a very basic understanding of what. Britain is but more at the point what England is the fact that people will just talk about England when they mean Britain I had a back and forth on Twitter the uh, was it last week or something like that when someone had said and I'm not sure mm. which whether they count German or whether they're American I have no idea they're based in Germany and they said why does Britain not have a national team and why is it got Scotland England Wales and Northern Ireland no just they just asked why does it have Scotland England and Wales and I said well it's historical Mm -hmm. because of the first football associations but also that the United Kingdom is made up of four countries Great Britain's made up of three countries and those countries are separate and independent to a certain extent obviously that's a discussion that Scotland's having now they want full independence but they are independent countries and I got just bile back and it was like oh that's Mm -hmm. that's not a a fucking excuse or something like that. I think they said, and I was just say like, you don't underst- You're not accepting the fact that they're separate countries, and and I sort of I said to him, but well, basically, like tell a Scotsman or a Welshman that you should have a great British team if you can get those guys to give up their football associations. You you're a better diplomat than me, you know, because honestly, there's no way that Wales would give up their national team or Scotland would give up their national team, and I think that they're part of the identity of Britain. So I get what you mean when you say sort of British identity is different from english identity but i've I've yet to encounter any negativity towards england that isn't just brushed off with a short explanation or just to like a uh, huh yeah whatever like if somebody was to say something aggressive towards us about england it would just be laughable just be like oh okay like wh- what do you want me to say if somebody wants to be an asshole about it then uh, pff, we can we can go to that that, that avenue certainly Ooh. i have no problem with it uh but I'd, most people don't I mean most people don't say anything particularly negative about about England or uh, only other than people I've spoken to saying they supported Italy be- in the final because of because of the ways the, f- the fans were acting and booing the anthem and stuff like that
1: it's good news for Mario Balotelli and Luca Tony they're both immediately <laughs> forgiven for their sins <laughs> <laughs> I don't ever feel
0: embarrassed but then I never feel overly proud anyway I mean again it's a theme that we've talked about before but going back to that question though like what what would someone have to say to you to feel embarrassed you're like what would they have to say to you i'm curious if the
1: first comment was about like boris johnson or corona does yeah. any of the 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 vivid realities of the current situation like yeah i can definitely say well he's just an idiot or well they've done this and x y and z like there's always a justification but mm. the fact that that's on the tip of people's tongues when they when they hear England or the UK like it's just I'd much rather talk about all the other aspects that are positive about British culture mm. Like someone's like I love this music or I love that TV show then I'm gonna be like open for conversation for the rest of the night I'm all over that it'd be like if, if you met someone from another country and the first thing you said oh but your politicians are fucking crazy no like I do not want to want to defend <laughs> Mark Forrest Johnson and the Conservatives but because of the, my national pride and my identity I have that instinct yeah. and that is embarrassing in itself that I don't want people to chat shit <laughs> about where I'm from even though they've got every right to and multiple reasons to but I'm more likely to say like yeah you're right they
0: are full of shit Like, I totally yeah. agree I'm not.
1: You're I, you're a better man than I'm because my instinct is like, how dare you!
0: <laughs> I don't know if somebody's first comment is, comment is based on the fact that I'm English. I mean, again, that's something that happens. We've talked about being introduced as the English person or the British person, or even when we're in, we're back in Britain, being introduced as someone who lives in Germany, and that's like the only bit of information they have on you. It becomes a a topic of conversation, and most people will ask about Britain, but most people then transition to how long have you lived here and the sort of conversation moves away and when people talk about politics it's more contextualized but if somebody started a conversation with oh your english like your politicians are mental i would just have to click into trainer mode and go so your topic of conversation you've chosen is not particularly useful for this relationship building (laughs) exercise that we're we're taking part in at this particular moment perhaps you would like to choose a softer topic (laughs) like the weather (laughs) or food Uh, that would be my thought but I don't know I just I feel like I don't feel like I need to hide it and again I think that's partially because I identify more as someone from Newcastle like there's plenty of times people I'll just say like I'm from the Democratic Republic of Newcastle and
1: and (laughs) people will laugh and that's the sort of end of the discussion but I guess it's different see I I do do things to hide where I'm from like if I'm on the yeah if I'm on if I'm on the underground and my wife phones me I'm going to speak exclusively in German Mm -hmm. on the phone because I don't want everyone to be like, "Why is he speaking English?" Mm. But I will take those kinds of steps to not like out myself immediately. I'd rather have people being like, "Are we speaking German poorly?" <laughs> as opposed to as oh, an English guy." Uh, it's just I, I don't want to be the focus at all. Again, that's the Victorian child in me, uh, seen but not heard.
0: <laughs> no, I get that. I, you don't want to make a you don't want to make a scene, and I think yeah. I think that comes from a say a similar feeling of certainly living in Nuremberg, gotten on trains at a certain point in the year and seen it filled with english speaking businessmen or Mm -hmm. from america or from the uk and they're they're always super loud and they're always super annoying and they always say the stupidest things in the loudest voice you recoil from that and you're like no i'm not an expat i'm not like a someone who's here for the temporary i'm not here on business i actually live here and this is my life so i can i can sort of see why you would recoil from that but i I like to speak german badly on trains (laughs) that's way more fun
1: (laughs) walking by either one of us in the street the vast majority of people wouldn't suspect that we were not from here it is with the opening of mouths that we are suddenly exposed ourselves to be what we really are British guys trying our best to learn the language and integrate. As we both live in the rolling fields and forests of Freistadt Bayern, we are not always surrounded by residents and baristas that speak flowing natural English. We're not Berlin down here. And both of us really love that fact. Yeah, when people talk about living in in Germany, a lot of the focus is on Berlin because that's the the highest density of English people. There is actually a website you can use uh, to find out how many people from your hometown live in Berlin. And it works for English towns and cities as well. So I know there are seven people born in my hometown who are registered in Berlin. So hello, people from Guildford (laughs) (laughs) living in Berlin, all seven of you. I need to check that out. But <laughs> I mean, of course, we're talking about two different countries a lot of the time. People use that phrase to talk about the difference between Bavaria and Berlin. Do you think there are any problems with the sort of the Berlin bubble? Countries is an interesting word because the word for that people often use is Länder
0: when they talk about the states, and they and that directly mm. translates as countries. So they talk about sixteen countries in the sixteen states of Germany, and I think that's yeah. pretty accurate. We've already mentioned just before about people texting to see if we're okay because of the the flooding in the north of the country and you have to sort of explain actually that's a million miles away or like mentally and and it's five hours away physically from where we are Uh, so I think there is a, a thought that Berlin is Germany. And I think people are often surprised when they travel to the mm. different states and they realize, oh, like Berlin is a different idea of Germany, different concept of Germany from from the other states. And I think between yeah. there's probably the greatest distance between Berlin and, and Bavaria. I think that the, the south is definitely it just has a different rhythm different attitude
1: and I think if you're a tourist in either place whether you're you come for a week in in Bavaria or do a, some time in Berlin your experience is going to be pretty much the same because the way that Germans interact with tourists is, is is very positive very welcoming very open it's only really when you start like living in these communities I feel that you really sort of get to know the truth it's like a tourist going to London for the weekend coming back being like I love London it's like that's nice, yeah. but you might not actually love the reality of it. Yeah, a visit and and, and life there is, are two very very different and separate entities. But I think yeah, of course, when we think about like the media, it's all very Berlin focused, very very North focused. Mm. So Nordrhein-Westfalen, where the flooding has happened, this is the largest metropole in Europe, uh, over ten million people living there across the cities of Dortmund, Dusseldorf, mm. Essen, the whole of Wuppertal, etc. Like this is. A, a massive piece of, of European population and so it's only natural that a lot of the focus is there because a lot of stuff is happening there and of course there is the separation that, that Bayern wishes upon itself as well it, it doesn't yeah, really yeah. want to be part of the well, party it's the Freistaat um, right? Yeah. Freistaat exactly yeah, it's,
0: it's different it does feel different coming coming to Bayern and, and travelling around Bayern and travelling around other states for sure visually it looks different I think the, the culture is slightly different some of the language is slightly different. It does feel like a different country a lot of the time, for sure. For sure.
1: Well, I mean, I, I spent all my time in my youth in in northern Germany, and there, as you say, it looks very different. The architectural style is totally different. Culturally, I mean, of course, there's a massive agricultural influence on the way that life is lived. It's about tradition. Uh, and, and the kind of culture that we've spoken about in previous episodes with Trachten, Döndl and so was these are all very much alive and well and thriving down here this sort of connects loosely to what we were talking about a minute ago where I think a lot of Germans when they go abroad and be like I'm from Germany they're also pretty annoyed when they're dealt with oh okay <laughs> and Bretzel and, and music. Mm, Schultans. <laughs> Like, that's not that's not Germany like no I'm from Bremen like <laughs> we're an industrial town it's it's nice, but we don't have any of that shit. So yeah, these stereotypes are, are just detrimental. So I'm gonna just go straight into that. Having criticised stereotypes, uh, when we talk of Bayern, what images come to mind?
0: Well, oddly <laughs> enough, uh, Tracton uh, beer, uh, pretzels. No, um, the it's like home. That's what I think about when Aww. I think of Bayern. It's like where I, it's my home. I it's know. where I live. It's where all my stuff is. You know, as I've <laughs> said, the different images of Bayern basically a more nuanced understanding. There's there's Munich, obviously, which is sort of this beautiful capital city with some beautiful architecture and and um, a lot of the culture and a lot of interesting stuff happens there for sure. The Munich Bavaria, there's the Nuremberg Bavaria, which is a little bit more. It feels more like a Stadt. I always feel like <laughs> Munich's more like a museum with like people living in it. Whereas Nuremberg feels like a real city, you know, and Augsburg feels like a living in a little village, but it's a city. <laughs> it's just very cu- cutesy and sort of nice and generally friendly. And I've read recently that Augsburg has the lowest yeah. crime figures of any city in Germany, or it might be any city in Bavaria, I have to double check, but Bavaria as a whole has very low crime. The image I'd have is, is partly the sort yeah. of Volksfest, Dorfest thing of the long beer benches and, and the Blas music walking through nice little villages in the summer and then hearing the wafting sounds of someone playing a trombone <laughs> it's quite <laughs> nice but also like the mountains i also also think of the uh, the area around garmisch partenkirchen or the mm. area around neuschwanstein which is some of the most beautiful countryside you'll ever see And these lush green fields and mountains and stuff like that so it's all sort of mixed
1: together it's yeah those are the sort of things i think about and obviously yeah, pfeffer britain <laughs> well, i mean it's it's hard to to summarize this it, this is a huge place as well yeah um, yeah we went away two weekends ago and we we've been driving for two and a half hours before we even left the state uh, they're like, "Oh, okay we're finally <laughs> yeah, exactly. out of buying and be like what are we not we're not even there yet oh god and yeah there is the mountain culture city culture like they're all very very different and of course we're not going to get into it today but where I live in Nuremberg, Nuremberger Land, they aren't even Bavarians. They're, they're Franken. Don't you forget it's, it. It's Franconia. There are very, very strong opinions and feelings and, and historical reasons why people are these things as opposed to being German or Bavarian. But that's definitely for another episode. So, yeah, I mean, I think Nick's done a fantastic job there of actually talking about the stereotypes quite nicely, but showing that there is some truth to these things. Blast music is real. It is alive and well. <laughs> it is, yeah, yeah. Climbing a mountain, <laughs> it's, it happens here. Go and find a bit of advice, Like, that's not an unrealistic <laughs> plan for your a day. <laughs> 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 have, you, have you
0: thought of uh, living some, anywhere else? Have you ever thought of living in a different state?
1: I've been in Nuremberg for probably two years. And, I mean, Nuremberg's half a million people. Roughly. Uh, a little bit more when you include Furt. So, I mean, it's a decent-sized city, but it's also, because it's in Bavaria, it's kind of quite quiet in comparison to other cities of that size. And so there was a point where I thought, okay, maybe I should move to somewhere a little bit bigger. Uh, I knew it wouldn't be Munich because of the cost of living there being so much higher. It is a, a massive difference uh, in cost of living. So, yeah, I thought maybe moving up towards nord westfalen I didn't have any particular place in mind, but I was open to it for a while, and then I got a better job, and I was like, okay, I'll just stay here, this is fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine, it's fine here, it's fine. Why, why move? What about you? Nah, I don't think I'd ever move, to be honest. All my wife's family are down here. I was about to say that the, Yeah, you know, getting your extended family Uh, to consider relocation because i guess it would be a a group effort it would have to be there'd just be a big bus of us Uh, yeah we're all we're all sort of settled here this
0: is where this is where we are and this is where we live and i don't think there's any chance of us moving we're not we've done relocating i think at this point
1: i mean yeah we we talk every now and again about the long-term possibility of of moving further north to be closer to Johanna's family yeah be able to get more bang for our buck when it comes to property possibly yeah i mean it's not even question possibly like the, the difference is, is monstrous Buying houses down here and up in Northern Ireland. so yeah we've just moved into this house we love it here our garden is gorgeous <laughs> yeah of course you love it you're in the Freystadt, my friend exactly exactly that's my problem i might leave and be like what have i done
0: <laughs> send me back to bavaria quick laschet's son is now in charge <laughs> oh god oh god oh god
1: anyway to draw a comparison the place i think of back in the uk when i think of bavaria is Yorkshire. I've made no secret of my absolute love for Yorkshire. It's where my mother's family hailed from and has, for the last decade, served as the place I think of when I think of home. It is rare that I find myself longing for the mad hustle and bustle of London, even rarer that I find myself reflecting on the Surrey Hills where I spent a lot of my youth. When I close my eyes and think of England, it is the rolling hills of Yorkshire, God's country, that fills my mind's eye. It is rugged, mean and beautiful. Bynes weather gives it a hefty edge when it comes to saying where it's better to live, as we can expect a vast amount of sunshine in comparison. I'm thankful to Yorkshire for not only being the heart of what I think of when I think of home, but it also gives me a connection that I'm proud to admit to. When it's not ideal, in my opinion, to admit to being English, even worse from being from Surrey, there will always be the, my mum and her family are from Yorkshire. There we go. Warm <laughs> feelings abound. So I mean, to highlight this, I have to ask Nick, what do you think of when I say Surrey? And as a proud Geordie, can you sympathise with my struggle? When you say the word Surrey, I guess you had elocution
0: mm-hmm. lessons at school.
1: <laughs> that would be the first It's natural, mate. We're, we're just born with, with perfect elocution. Like, I
0: couldn't, honestly, and this certainly says a lot more about me than it does about Surrey, but I can't even visualise Surrey as a concept.
1: I'm Dave. Like that's the truth of it. Like it's generic
0: generic part of South England. That's just my thought. Like Ooh. if you said like did you live near Kent and you went, No, I was lived in Surrey, you might as well have just said like place A and place B because I don't really in my mind's eye, I can't think of I don't have a visual when I think of, of Surrey. Like when you say North Yorkshire or you talk about Yorkshire, I've got a very clear visual in my mind and you talk about the Rolling Hills and I can visualise it. But when you say Surrey Nah, it's nothing that I can think of.
1: This feels like the North-South divide come to
0: life. <laughs> it's just the truth, I don't really... I mean, I know people who live there, I, but it's... Yeah, like, give me give me something that I should think of when I think of Surrey. And- I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's rich estate agents. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I wasn't wrong then, I wasn't wrong. Foxtons.
1: Yeah, sort of Eng- very
0: English England. That's what I think of when I think of Surrey. I'm just Googling it now to see if there's any images. Yeah, it just looks very English very sort of nice looking small market squares and cute little cottages and a pub that when we think of middle England that's pretty much middle England right I, I, the other question you asked us was do I sympathise with the struggle <laughs> <laughs> some
1: struggle with some stink
0: what struggle are you uh, are you referring to
1: the, yeah that I'm I, that I'm embarrassed about where I'm from like to say, I'm from Surrey is not, it wouldn't be my first choice.
0: Well, I, I do sympathise because I do think you should be embarrassed about it.
1: <laughs> no. This is the reality, though. There is no one in our friendship group that will be like, oh no, Simon, it's fine. It's fine to be from Surrey. They'll all be like, yeah, Surrey's for the wankers. <laughs> yeah, of course I can
0: sympathise with you. I'm only being a, a tit. I think everyone wants people to recognise that. When If I say I'm from Newcastle and people don't know it, I always feel a bit like sad about that. One of the many things Bavaria and Yorkshire share is the notion of tradition. The traditions of Bavaria may serve as a marketing tool that has brought huge success, but the state itself has a mixed reputation. It's one of the most popular domestic holiday destinations, especially for hikers, but it's also a particularly conservative and traditional state with a reputation for backwardness add to the mix the fact that Bavaria is one of the richest of the Bundesländer, and you have a scenario where its reputation fluctuates along a continuum between hay-chewing bumpkin at one end and elitist snobs at the other. So, Nuremberg and Augsburg, snob or bumpkin, I guess is the question. What do you think? I would have said Nuremberg, or Nurnberg, as we should say. I I don't think that fits the metric of snob or bumpkin. I would have said, like, hipster cool is my my image when I think of Nuremberg, and I guess Augsburg would be snobs. (laughs)
1: Yeah, it's kind guess. of hard to argue against those <laughs> notions, really. Like Nuremberg is the the affordable metropolitan part of Bavaria. Mm-hmm. If you can't afford to live in Munich, but you still want a city life, Nuremberg is definitely your next best choice. Augsburg yeah. is is really really lovely, but it is it's a quieter city. It's it's more sedate, I guess. Uh, and yeah, hipster is definitely a factor here. We do have like Gossenhof and Johannes, uh, which are like yeah cool neighborhoods with with cool kids and cool beards. Uh, and tattoos we're we're not hamburg I think, it, but I think a lot of the bavarian cities they it depends on when you're there and if you're there during university time the cities can feel quite alive at night and there's quite a lot of things going on but if it's during holidays and the universities aren't around uh, these towns become a lot quieter quickly whereas nuremberg is there's always something going on yeah that's that's true that's really true i think there's a lot of obviously
0: when in a normal year you'll have a lot of festivals and stuff so Wurzburg has like wine festivals and, and, and cultural events. Bamberg has a street a street performers festival or is it a clown festival that they have? It's quite famous.
1: I think mean, they do have a clown festival. And um, Nürnberg yeah, has yeah. uh,
0: Baden Treffen, where you've got a lot of buskers from around the country or around Europe will come and they'll perform on city corners, and that's quite nice. And so you have all these. And Billy Bragg was there. Yeah, a couple yeah years no, I know. I remember I missed Treffen. him. Really Sadly, cool. I missed him, but next time maybe if we're lucky. Bavaria is already quite a wealthy state. There's a large middle class. There is an element of snobbiness. But then you get out into the into the countryside, and you're going to see some, some quite uh, tractor based living you know a lot of agricultural mm. machinery about the place so, but whether whether they're bumpkins i'll be hard-pressed to say i don't want i don't want to get hijacked when i when i break down in a in a bavarian village and they go i listen to a <laughs> podcasts <laughs> like, oh god no are you again. nick or simon <laughs> <laughs> my name's my name's barry uh, <laughs> i don't know what you're talking about if I travel into the countryside in Bayern, I'll certainly begin to hear imaginary blast music playing softly in the distance as hardy looking country folk trundle past on various forms of agricultural machinery. Should I drive to Munich, I'll quickly be consumed with a fiery rage as I'm accosted by numerous aggressive drivers flashing their lights and indicating for me to move out of their way. The explanation for their selfish behaviour being the letter M on their number plates indicating they reside in Bavaria's capital. So, quick question do you think that the fact that license plates tell other people where you live in a roundabout way is dangerous for forming prejudices of other cities or places yeah
1: of course here in Germany your number plate does have a town indicator on it so M for Munich N for Nuremberg when you're driving here and you see a Munich number plate it doesn't matter where you are in the city or on the road you're kind of immediately like okay they're going to do something very self-entitled in a minute a lot of the cars that Nick mentioned the ones that are coming down the fast lane at the motorway blinking and flashing are oh, top-of-the-range BMWs, Mercedes and Audis with M-plates. Uh, there is a, a, a certain self-entitlement that is special, I think, there. So this is how it works. that A big city uh, will get a single letter, so Munich, Berlin, etc. Uh, a smaller town, a smaller city or a big town might have two, and then the villages will have three. And this is the problem that I deal with because when I first started driving here with my wife, she pushed her prejudices onto me and basically told me if there are three letters on the number plate, be careful. It's been sound advice in fairness to her. Uh, it has made me a more careful driver.
0: The Bavaria is both very German for non-Germans and something of a pariah for Germans makes describing the place we live quite difficult. When I'm called upon to describe my home, I often compare Bavaria to other places, if only to give people a sense of what makes it such a separate entity. It's a free state, after all. Americans will claim Texas as the obvious counterpart, fiercely independent, continued relevance of traditional costume, Bavaria equals Lederhosen and Dindal, Texas equals cowboy regalia, farming, Christianity and an indecipherable dialect. It also helps that Texas has an aging population of Texan Germans who learn German as a first language despite being born in the US. Interestingly, despite immigration from many different parts of Germany to America, Texan Germans are more likely to identify with Bavaria does this also explain some of the cowboy flavours people seem to enjoy here in buying. There's a lot more pickups and Harleys than there ought to be.
1: However, as a Brit who lived in Oregon, I know little of Texas. And should someone ask me to describe Bavaria, i suggest that Yorkshire is a better example. Like Texas, Yorkshire has superficial similarities, but there are certainly more concrete comparisons to be made, such as the range of dialects. Bavaria boasts not just one type of Bayerish, but several enough to keep any visitor on their toes when communicating. It's even been argued that a common form of Baelish is a language in its own right. Yorkshire may not have similar linguistic claims, but it certainly has a wide range of accents and dialects that can change every 10 miles, which is very familiar for anyone who's travelled around Bavaria. What really stands out for us is the mentality of Bavarians and the people of Yorkshire that
0: of fierce localism. For example, We have been saying Yorkshire like it's a coherent whole, when in reality it would be better to identify it as two places, North and South Yorkshire. Then again, we could add two more versions of Yorkshire to the list, East and West.
1: This is totally true. My granddad, if you asked where are you from, he would only say East Ridings. he wouldn't say Yorkshire he was like East Ridings which is
0: yeah Eastern Yeah, Yorkshire. I do like the idea that there is like Yorkshire hate within Yorkshire yeah <laughs> like you're from the wrong bit of Yorkshire because you get that in, in, in Bavaria too you definitely get people who are saying like you're from the wrong bit of Bavaria
1: my grandma is also from Lancashire which is the mm. rival the, the very historical oh rival of, of Yorkshire and even at my granddad's funeral in the eulogy people were talking about the fact that he married someone from Lancashire <laughs> <laughs>
0: This goes to show what happens when you have a medieval civil war. That stuff does tend to carry through the centuries, doesn't it? Dear me. Within the Yorkshire whole, these invisible differences are vitally important. Every area of Yorkshire has its own identity. For instance, the towns and cities of West Yorkshire have a lot in common, but you would be taking your life in your hands if you were to tell a person from Huddersfield that they are similar to the people of Leeds. The same can be said for Bavaria. Ask someone from Nuremberg about the difference between themselves and the people of Furt, and you'll be provided with a fairly comprehensive list. It might be imagined that these two Bavarian cities are like chalk and cheese. In reality, to the outside observer, it's almost impossible to tell the difference between the two. Visitors may not even know which one of the cities they're in, since the two are only divided by an invisible Stadtgrenze city border. I say it's invisible, there is a sign that says Stadtgrenze, and there is a a new barn station. There is a sign. A a very horrible horrible street. (laughs) Ask the the citizens of these two Franconian cities about the rest of Bavaria, and they might argue that they're nothing like their cousins in Munich. Yet all it takes to bring these supposed different Bavarian cultures together is to introduce someone from out of state. Then we would see that the Bavarians are more than willing to unite, if only to take the piss out of everyone else. Yorkshire is no different. The worst part of Yorkshire will always be considered superior to the best parts of any other part of the UK, or the world for that matter.
1: Not all comparisons are helpful, of course. Bavaria isn't really like Yorkshire or Texas, except in order to help others understand the place, I call home. Bavaria is hard to quantify because it holds a strange position of both typifying everything non-Germans know about Germany, or simultaneously not being considered very German by the Germans. Despite this, Germans from outside Bavaria still prefer to travel and holiday here every year. Perhaps the northern states are too proud to admit it, but to find traditional Germany Maybe you need to travel south.
0: We've been talking about Bavaria and its relationship with Yorkshire. So if you do feel inclined to head south, here are the most beautiful towns in Bavaria, according to theculturetrip.com. So the first on the list, Lindau. Lindau. Set on an island on the eastern side of Lake Constance, Lindau is practically in stone-skimming distance of the borders with Austria and Switzerland. Made a free imperial city within the Holy Roman Empire in 1275, the town was, for hundreds of years, a fishing settlement along the opulent trade route between Italy and the Duchy of Swabia. It's nice. I've definitely been to Lindau several times. I've been to the Bordensee, Lake Constance a few times, but can't really think of an image when i think of lindau yeah have you been to lindau
1: when i was young i haven't been since i've been living here this time around so i i do have to get on that i guess it's definitely a popular place to go if people are doing sort of a european trip because there yeah, you can do austria and switzerland and germany in the matter of 48 hours uh, so that's pretty beneficial but you
0: also have the famous operas on the uh, bodensee as well yeah. and, and so that's a big a big draw but the bodensee itself is very interesting being on a on a lake where you can see Austria and Switzerland as well mm. and, and it's all sort of controlled by different policing agencies that segmented the, the body of water into different sections for to be patrolled and I mean it's a nice it's a nice place to go for, for dinner it's a nice place to visit for a day go for a swim in the in the sea and you'll have a good time I'm sure
1: next up we have Garmisch Partenkirchen if you fancy a proper taste of the great Bavarian outdoors Make for Garmisch-Partenkirchen, a town, as its hyphenated name suggests, created from the merging of two villages for the 1936 Winter Olympics. Both places are set against a dramatic backdrop of alpine peaks, and each retains its own character, old world and modern respectively.
0: I watched the first England game of the tournament this year in Garmisch-Partenkirchen for bizarre reasons, but it meant that I was there recently. And it is a beautiful place, it's a beautiful town, it's very very bavarian it looks very bavarian the houses mm-hmm. have got very traditional style and then you just slightly move your head up and then you've got the alps <laughs> and you're just like oh my god yeah. and it sort of surrounds the town and he just feels it does feel very very bavarian the only downside that garmisch partenkirchen is it's renowned for its horrific traffic jams which we got stuck in mm. as we drove back because it's a, th- a, a through line through the alps to sort of go for people who are going skiing or going hiking so it's always busy with traffic but the town itself is is fantastic i had had quite a nice a nice cup of coffee a nice cup of coffee and a sandwich in one of the cafes (laughs) it was yeah it's a good place and then Mm. watched watch football with 25
1: croatians i mean this is normally the go-to place for people from munich but it's definitely
0: worth a visit because it you do feel very bavarian while you're there
1: yeah, there's absolutely no way you could leave that place and be like, "Oh, that was wasn't as Bavarian as I'd hoped for."
0: <laughs> I wish it was more Bavarian. Yeah, no, definitely had that. Next up, we have Fussen, one of the finest vacation destinations in southern Germany. Fussen has a history spanning 700 years, like a lot of Bavarian cities. There. The Romans did come here first, and has been on the map of must-visit Bavarian places for centuries. It's at the southern end of the tourist-loved Romantic Road, or Romantische Strasse, which runs for 400 kilometres down from Würzburg. With its picture-book scenes of beauty, lakes, vineyards, and time-honoured half-timbered homes, with window boxes erupted in displays of floral pink. It is a very, very nice area. Have you been to Fussen?
1: Yeah, yeah. I went to Fussen when I was, uh, yeah, my first time in Bavaria. We did like a, a Bavaria tour, did quite a few of these. Uh, and Fussen was one of them. Yeah,
0: it's, it's, it's lovely. Yeah, I haven't spent a lot of time there. I think I've only been there once. But again, it's they sort of great for day trips. Just get a mm. bit of cafe and cook and sit in, the, sit in the street in the sun. That's what you want in a traditional Bavaria. Next
1: on the list we have Regensburg, uh, which is the vibrant medieval town and now a UNESCO World Heritage site on the banks of the Danube. Uh, It's home to an impressive assortment of historical structures spanning two millennia. It was founded in 179 AD, during the rule of the Roman Emperor Marcus Aurelius, the Danube becoming essentially the Roman Empire's northern border. Uh, So yeah, if you like history and old buildings, it's very hard to do better than Regensburg.
0: It's got a really famous dome or cathedral as well. Uh, it's it is a really mm-hmm. once you get down towards the the river and the Steinbrucker, I think it's called. It's just a really nice little winding streets and lots of little knick-knack shops and it's got some nice little squares. It's just lovely to walk around. You know, you don't have to 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 particularly go there yeah. for any reason. It's just a really nice nice visit. It's it's beautiful. Love Regensburg. Next, Würzburg. Author Hermann Hesse once wrote of this town, If I could choose my place of birth, I would consider Würzburg, and the moment you clap eyes on it, it's easy to understand why. It's an upbeat university town of outstanding beauty, rippling with Baroque facades in its elevated position on a hill amid landscapes of vineyards. The history dates back to 686, when it was a Franconian duchy and a pilgrimage point, The wine thing is the most important bit. Very, very, very big wine culture (laughs) in this book. I thought I'd done something. You were laughing when I was talking. Well, it was
1: was the the softness with which you said "baroque facades," and I think it's a phrase (laughs) that you have to you have to do that with. You can't say Baroque oh, okay. facades. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say it in a harsh...
0: Baroque facades, like? But it's it's famous for, like, standing on the bridge, having a glass of wine. There's a really famous little cafe bar that serves wine, and you stand on the bridge and have a... I'm not a big wine drinker, but... I can definitely settle into that vibe for <laughs> sure but yeah it's, if you want a decent glass of wine that's the place to go I think most people would it's, direct you to Würzburg. It's a, it's a lovely place it really is
1: standing on the bridge over the river you've got the castle on the right the old town on your left it's well depending if you're facing down river it really is lovely.
0: When you get off the Hau- at the Hauptbahnhof it's got a really big open platz and it's mm. really sort of nice and a quite welcoming feeling when you come into the city I really enjoyed every time I've visited Würzburg I've had a good time next a place
1: we've spoken about quite a few times as it happens that's Rottenburg ob der Talbe. so just quickly it is with an unparalleled hilltop location along the romantic road the Strasse, and it's a visual feast of medieval and renaissance buildings that have survived the ravages of the centuries and thrived uh, it's, it's a lovely, lovely spot. And they sell massive slabs of labor
0: case, which is really important to remember. Although, obviously, Simon I'm would good. find yeah, that disgusting. It is, well, yeah, I mean, it's the most touristy, touristy spot. If you type in to Google Germany or pictures of Germany, it'll be one of the first images you see will be of the the shot of the center of rotenburg ob der Tauber. Okay. Bamberg, a fascinating town with an Altstadt that has been anointed by UNESCO as a World Heritage Site. So many World Heritage Sites in... Augsburg's a World Heritage Site too. Yeah. Just 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 so you know. Anyway,
1: um, it's... Not on the list, uh, like. <laughs> It spreads over seven hills
0: where numerous rivers and winding canals converge. A setting that explains why, repeatedly, it's voted among the most beautiful settlements in Germany. It is beautiful, Bamberg. It's Love Bamberg. Really, really nice. I think the, the Neustadt's a bit less attractive, but it's still a yeah. very very lovely place definitely worth a visit and quite easy to get to from Nuremberg it
1: is very convenient very easy for a day trip from Nuremberg and yeah it's got an interesting local beer the Rauch beer, the Schlenkerer. And, and yeah just sitting by the river it's one of the most relaxing places uh, in Bavaria. So I love Bamberg. It's it's yeah. one of
0: the million places in Bavaria that's called the Venice of Bavaria or the Venice of
1: Germany because it's got. I a quite literally added that to the notes. I was like, I just called it's the Venice of Germany. And then the next thing is Passau, yeah. and I was like, okay, that's the Venice. Yeah, <laughs> I think Augsburg's
0: got that too. Uh, I keep talking about Augsburg, but yeah, it's, I think that's also got it because of the canal system. But yeah, it's definitely definitely worth a visit.
1: So, yeah, next we have Passau, where three rivers, three rivers, the Danube, the Inn, and the Ult, meet. Uh, you'll discover Passau, the Venice of Germany, as it's sometimes called. Among all a picturesque the town. <laughs> yeah. One of the Venices of Germany. It's been shaped by water down through the centuries. It's always been a wealthy hub of commerce, known for trading bohemian salt. Uh, which again, it's very hard to say Bohemian without putting some stink on a Bohemian.
0: Too right, Bohemian.
1: And it also has uh, close ties to the Holy Roman Empire. So we're seeing a history here. If you like Holy Roman Empire and pork, you're going to have a wonderful time. Pass
0: has the place. Any to go. of these places, Definitely. I
1: think you're going to be touched by those things.
0: Next on the list is is I just like saying this Dinkelsbühl. The historic town of Dinkelsbühl is located in central Franconia on the northern stretch of the Romantic Road. According to many historians, it is the best preserved medieval town in Germany, having remained totally unscathed during the World Wars. Yeah, it's uh, it's quite near where you are. It's it's, it's really again it's a very attractive uh, town. Has it still got the historic walls it around does, it? It
1: does. Yeah. Yeah, it's fully walled still, yeah.
0: Again, one of these places that's really lovely to spend a a Sunday afternoon going for a a nice walk around the the town centre and and check it out. I think one of
1: the things that helps with Dinklesville, as well as it's not actually particularly easy to get to. Quick check, but I think you need a car. Oh, I think definitely for a lot of these places you probably would.
0: I'm not sure about the train connections.
1: Yeah, so to, to, oh bloody hell. Yeah, so I mean it's Sunday at the time of recording, but to get to Dinklesville, I'd had walk, take a bus, take the U-Bahn, take an S-Bahn, walk, take a bus, and then take another bus, and yeah, was- walk two hours 44 minutes and I could drive there in an hour it's it's worth it though it's worth it definitely so yeah Dinkersville is indeed worth it but if you if for example I mean a lot of people do this they come base themselves in Nuremberg for three or four days and then with public transport you can do Rottenberg up to Tauber, Würzburg and Bamberg and then also Mm. by Reut uh, to chuck another one that's not on the list all with public transport very conveniently so if you don't want to drive Nuremberg is a good base I think Nürnberg should be paying us some money for our tourist promotion. Anyway. One day, mate. One day. (laughs) (laughs) The official English-language podcast. (laughs) We we can only hope. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's probably right. Uh, The final one we have here is uh, Mindelheim. Uh, Mindelheim reflects the structure of a typical medieval settlement, with its partially standing city wall, its array of churches, and the town hall arranged around the market square. I can't think that I've actually been to Mindelheim again it's it, the the sort of towns because of the
0: architecture and the style and the way they're arranged because they're they're often quite like they're often founded at the same time and so you have like mm. a similar sort of setup for a lot of a lot of places the architecture is often the same so if you looked at a picture of mindelheim you might you might wonder what's the difference but it does have <laughs> it does have like a really beautiful town center it's quite famous for its town center i think it's famous for its christmas market as well but then again you could say that about a lot of towns in Bavaria. Is. Is like, <laughs> they're very famous for the Christmas market. It just feel like you just throw a stone and you'll find some like a beautiful place to visit. It's very hard to visit something that's not an attractive town or city in in Bavaria. They all they all often got quite lovely market squares or a nice rat house. Yeah, it's lovely. It's lovely. Come to Bavaria now, please. Put some money in our pockets, Bavarian <laughs> tourist board. <laughs> Hello, Zuzaman. That brings us to the end of the show. Thanks for listening. I thank you to everyone who's been retweeting the show. Don't forget to give us a rating if you're using the Apple Podcast app or any other app if they give you the option to rate us. A quick shout out to Snooker, Maurizio and Marin for spreading the word on the podcast, always appreciated. If you'd like to share the show, don't forget to tag us using the hashtag DecadesFromHome, all lowercase. As ever, if you have any questions, feedback, or maybe an article or topic you'd like us to cover, you can tweet Simon on at DecadesFromHome and you can tweet me at 40%German. You can also get us on 40%German at gmail.com. If you have time, take a look at 40%German.com. Weekly articles are up every Saturday. All that's left to say is thanks and bis some next a mile. Tschüss. And you have a scenario where its reputation fluctuates along a continuum between hay-chewing bumpking. <clears throat> between hay-chewing bu- bumpking. <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> and the bumpking. <laughs> between hay-chewing bumpkin at one end and elitist snobs at the other.